0: This episode of the Commercial Real Estate Investor podcast is brought to you by CRE Launch Pro. This online commercial real estate program is designed to take you from beginner to pro commercial real estate investor with access to all of my courses, our online community, and monthly group coaching calls. Learn how to confidently buy your first commercial property today at www.crelaunchpro.com. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Investor podcast. I am your host, Tyler Cobble, and we are on the way to teach you even more about real estate investing today with something that you should probably avoid doing whenever you're getting into real estate. We'll talk about that here in a minute, though. I'm with Matt Anderson today. He founded Anderson Legal here in Nashville, Tennessee. He's also the founder of Toro Title and has quite an extensive background in real estate law, which is definitely going to come in handy for our conversation today. Matt, that was a brief introduction to you, but uh, tell our guests a little bit more about you.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, background is as a lawyer, did a lot of litigation, construction, real estate litigation, lawsuits, disputes, um, and transactional work. So, that was my background. And then I always had basically a side hustle, you know, doing real estate deals. So, over the years, just did bigger and bigger deals, more, you know, went from single family to small multifamily to office commercial, just bigger and bigger deals. And so, now that's where I spend most of my time and energy. You know, we've got, somewhere around $25 in assets under management, combination of multifamily and office primarily. And we're always looking for more deals. And then we've got the law firm and the title company, uh, which I'm with foundation title now, actually. Congrats. So yeah, still got the law firm and the title, but most of my time is spent on uh, in Cloud Realty, the brokerage. But most of my time is spent on the real estate investing side of things.
0: Yeah, I love that. Your your model is very similar to mine, where you have your active businesses that are involved in real estate that really probably you use that to live off of, and then I use the real estate as just, you know, it just keeps compounding. So whatever we make from our deals, we throw back into the next deal, and makes my life a whole lot easier not having to live off of my real estate right now.
1: Right. Yeah. Eat off the businesses and
0: build wealth off the real estate is basically the the simple version of it. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, so today we're, we're diving into a conversation, <laughs> Pirate's saying, first, what's going on, Pirate? Um <laughs> So today we're going into a a video. We're actually going to watch it here live. If you're if you're listening on the podcast, sorry, but you will you will get the audio from Pace Morby. He is a gentleman that is um he's famous on YouTube. He has done some stuff with bigger pockets. He teaches a lot of the sub to wholesaling, you know, how to buy real estate with no money. And not that Matt or I are against buying real estate with no money whatsoever, because I'm sure you've gotten some deals with no money down i've definitely gotten some deals
1: yeah i mean i'm a big fan of no money
0: yeah i love it don't get me wrong no it's (laughs) pretty it's pretty great right when you uh (laughs) pirates saying woot uh you know when 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 you're able to buy real estate with no money it makes your life so much easier because you're not having to come out of pocket i mean i did that on my first deal i did it on the deal that we're sitting in right now in this this office building and i've done it on a couple of others but there is a balance between Doing deals with no money and also maintaining moral and ethical standards. And that was what I kind of found, you know, after we did a, a podcast on Matt Onafrio, we did a couple of episodes on the fraud that he committed, which I'm sure Matt could talk Ooh. a whole lot about as well <laughs> from his perspective, uh, you know, as a, as a law with a background as a lawyer. He's not, yeah. he's not giving you legal advice. He's not giving me legal advice, uh, et cetera. But, you know, somebody mentioned in, in the comments that, Matt Frio's method sounded a whole lot like the Morby method. And so I thought, you know, I've heard the name Pace Morby before. Let me go and, and you know, search him on YouTube and, and watch some of his videos. And man, I got to be honest with you. The first one that I saw, the Morby method was one of the most dangerous videos I have ever seen on YouTube because it proliferates this method that is almost guaranteed to get your loan called. I mean, it's, I don't know any lenders that you could do this with where it wouldn't violate their loan terms. Now, not saying that there aren't lenders out there that are willing to do these kinds of things, but the way that he coaches you to approach it is not very good. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you know, we can talk, there's a lot of gray areas in real estate. You could say sub two has some gray areas. You could say wholesaling has some gray areas, but when they're done ethically, they're fine. They're great methods. I mean, you, you've you've seen a lot of those deals, especially sitting on the title side, where people have executed those correctly.
1: Well, I've I've done almost all of them personally. You know, I've yeah. done probably about a dozen sub two deals. I've done uh, commercial deals with no money down, with second position seller carries, and you know, so I've done a little bit of every all of that. But there's certainly a way to do it correctly, legally, and ethically, and then there are ways not.
0: That's right. So, and, and that's the big thing that we're going to be covering today is is really second position notes legally ethically, morally, whatever you want to call it, doing it the right way. So let's go ahead and get into it and watch this video on the Morby method.
2: Is that the seller's just going to turn around and send the money back to you? That doesn't make any sense. That is your failure point. You are lacking a story. A Morby method actually is very simple if you think about it this way. Is there something tricky about this transaction I should know beforehand before I go deep diving into what the Morby method is? It's an agent deal. It's on market.
0: It's kind of everything we're doing with the elephant challenge. Nothing's really tricky about it.
2: Okay. So here's what Morby method is for people that are brand new to our mentorship. I've had multiple, multiple videos about this, and I've had actually a couple of deep dives about it. The Morby method is here to solve a major problem for you. Please pay attention to what the Morby method is. I'm about to tell you. So in 45 seconds, when you say, Wait, what's the Morby method? I'll say, please go back and rewatch the tape. Okay. The Morby method is here to solve the biggest concern regarding a seller wanting too much down payment. So you go- I've never encountered that. <laughs> <laughs> Man, especially right now,
0: it is impossible in this market to find any sellers that are willing to to come to terms with reality. Right. What's going right. on. I mean, it's an incredibly expensive market. Interest rates are unbelievably high. Construction costs are high. And, uh, you know, this this in theory, this method solves a pretty great problem.
1: Yeah, yeah, in theory. I mean, there's always danger. I mean, in general, there's always danger of leverage, right? Like, it's always a double-edged sword. Right. Like, a no-money-down deal in general, for example, you know, it's it's exponentially great if it's a great deal. It's exponentially bad if it's a bad deal. That's right. So, like, I think that's something in general, too, that's overlooked sometimes, especially when people are trying to learn real estate, is... You always got to be treading with caution when you're doing these highly leveraged deals in the first place, like even if you know how to structure them correctly.
0: Yeah, I mean, h- high leverage is is great. It's a, it's a very attractive thing, especially when you're first starting out and you don't have a lot of money, but high leverage means that you have no equity in the deal. And in some cases, you're personally signing on the loans, right? So higher leverage means that you're probably going to have a higher mortgage rate every month, higher mortgage payments. And if you don't have the expertise to get in there pull this project off correctly in the timeline to where you can raise rents to where they make sense there's a serious chance of you losing everything sure yeah so let's let's get back into it
2: go to a seller and you say hey are you open to seller finance sellers here here's their house you have an agent involved because you know what sometimes when you're an astro student you just can't help yourself so you go to the agent and you say hey I'm a glutton for punishment, so I want to go directly through the agent. Would your seller be open to seller finance? The agent. Well, have you ever done any seller finance deals? Oh yeah, Yeah. most of what I do is seller finance. Yeah, yeah,
1: and and I'm confused. Is he even talking about like what is even? Is he talking about commercial or residential right now? It's kind
0: of ambiguous, right? I think it's more residential because I think that what we'll what we'll see here in a minute is that the student that he's coaching right now is uh, trying to do a, a residential deal. Okay, but it applies to commercial too. It's the same same structure. I mean, we, I love seller financing deals. We just, we bought a deal a couple of years ago on seller finance, and then we actually ended up turning around and selling that as a seller finance deal. We seller financed it ourselves, which, man, I love that method. I thought for the longest time, how cool would it be to go raise a fund to buy buildings in cash and then seller finance them?
1: Well, and I'll just say, I mean, I don't know, you'd you'd probably do a lot more stuff on market with other brokers, but from my personal experience, it's not that easy to approach a, a list to uh, you know, property through an agent right. and get seller financing. Like number one, that's already an uphill battle. So at, at first glance, I'm like a little skeptical, like you're going to teach people who are kind of new to do this because usually if that's pulled off, you're paying retail to make that happen. through that's right. A broker, right. So like that's the other thing, and that goes back to the leverage problem. Um, in my opinion, seller financing doesn't replace uh, buying a good deal, right? Like you need to use seller financing and get a good
0: deal for it to make sense. Exactly. And and the thing is too, that, you know, that's the toughest part of seller finance, in my opinion, is if there's a broker involved, typically they don't want the seller to finance no. it because of their own personal self-interest. So they may never even tell the seller, which I know is obviously against ethical uh, codes of realtors, but they may never even tell the seller that there's a seller uh, interest or a seller carry deal on the table because they want to get paid their commissions today. And huh. a lot of them think that they're not going to, which isn't usually the case.
1: And most of them don't understand it, especially in residential, right? And in commercial, it's more common. Like the brokers are, are more attuned to what seller carries are and stuff like that. But in residential, you talk to
0: most brokers, they're just, their eyes are going to glaze over. They don't even understand what you're talking about. That's right. Right. So. Yeah. So right right here at this point in the, in the video, Pace is talking about a, a seller that is willing to sell or finance, but wants a very large down payment. So let's say it's 30%, right? Because I mean, if a seller is willing to sell or finance with 5% down, you wouldn't have to do this method. Right. You could just do a regular seller finance. Right.
2: And says, yes, especially if you give us a large down payment because the agent wants what? The agent wants a commission. This typically is a problem because most people that are brand new in this business are this word. Broke. Is that a problem? It sure is not. I am perfectly okay being broke. In fact, I'm broke at the end of every single month. I'm always spending all my money on more real estate. So every time I'm negotiating, in fact, guys, one of the greatest hacks of being the greatest negotiator on planet Earth is to have no money in your pocket. I saw a direct correlation to the best deals I ever did were because I had no money to some of the questionable deals I did because I had a couple hundo in the bank account. The second I get rid of that money and a deal or a lead comes to me, I have no other option but to negotiate a zero down deal. And do yourself a favor, get all that this is kind of concerning to me too, because like I don't know this guy
1: very well, but he seems to be doing quite a bit of volume and have a lot of success. Like for a guy like this to be advertising that he doesn't have any cash, like to me, yeah, what does that say? Like, what does that mean? <laughs> like, so, so to me, it's like one of two things. Is he, is he like full of it? Like, is he just trying to be like everybody else that doesn't have cash, or does he legitimately not have cash? Because he's, if he's got all these deals out there and he has no reserves. That would be very concerning to me.
0: Yeah, I mean, I you know I typically look at it and I assume, and, and it pro- it's probably a pretty standard method. You want to have like five to ten percent of your net worth in cash, yeah. and that's not that much, especially in a market like right now. You um, got you got to yeah. have it because what happens if a deal goes south or you're on an adjustable rate mortgage? Like, what are you going to do? You gonna like lose the deal? Yeah.
1: I, so that this part already, it's like I've got no money in the bank. I'm, I'm pace Morby. I'm like, how is that? That's scary. That's how very that scary sense? to me. <laughs> yeah, I, I get it. I get his point. You know, his point is like if if you have a bunch of money in the bank, there's less of a st- you know motivation to be creative. And like when your back's against the wall, you can figure stuff out. You yeah. know, um, for me, I don't see that as a real thing. Like I try to get the best deal possible, regardless of how much cash I have in the bank. But. One hundred percent. I get the I get the point he's trying to make,
0: but I I I just think it's. It weird makes you he, question it though, right? Yeah,
1: and I just think it's weird that the
0: guy's got no cash. Yeah, I I agree. Yeah, right. Like <laughs> like yeah, of course you want to try and negotiate like you never have any money in the bank, but if you actually have no money in the bank, what are you doing with all of your? Well,
1: money? you probably shouldn't be leveraging <laughs> seller finance deals if you have yeah. got no money. Um, very too often.
0: I mean, well, because l- let's talk about that. Because if you get foreclosed on one deal and your lenders on all of your other deals find out, they're probably going to be calling their notes too. Yeah. I mean, you've got to look at your loan covenants because a lot of lenders have that, that if you ever get foreclosed by another lender on a deal, you have to notify them or they'll find out another way, right? It becomes public record. And there's a chance right there that your loan will get called. Sure. Lenders don't like to mess around with that stuff because they they immediately think, okay, I mean, they're the most conservative person in any deal that you will ever have, Yeah. right? Because they are Constantly trying to mitigate their risk. So, if they know that you just got foreclosed on another deal, chances are pretty good they're going to try and foreclose on you on that one too because you've already violated their loan covenants. They don't believe that you're going to be able to pull us off.
1: Right. And like, so for example, we just closed a deal where a partner and I, we could have taken it down ourselves by leveraging to the hill and only using seller financing. And you know, we did use seller finance. We got, you know, 10% seller financing or seller carry and we we're able to put that in second position. But we went to a capital partner, yep. you know, to raise the rest of the money. Because we wanted to keep our reserves, we didn't want to leverage the full. We could have got the full twenty and bumped the purchase price up a little bit, but that would have increased our risk. It would have lowered our reserves. You know, it's just a bad strategy, big picture overall. Like I get it when you're trying to get started and you're trying to, you know, get some things happening and stuff like that. I understand that, but um, you need reserves. You need to you need to assess your portfolio risk.
0: Yeah, when I was first getting started, it was so frustrating. You know, because in commercial real estate, it's like twenty to twenty-five percent down on everything hotels 35% down. But now I appreciate that. Yeah. Right? And and especially if you're going to be raising capital, your investors don't want to put capital into a deal where you're putting 5 or 10%. And right, they want to see that you've got enough equity in there to where the risk of the deal going south and very quickly getting foreclosed is very small. So, you know, yeah, we I, do I want to put 20 to 25% down on every deal? Not really. Right. But do I do it because it makes the deal less risky and makes my investors feel good, makes the bank feel good? Of course.
1: Yeah. And honestly, from my perspective, maybe other than your first deal, you know, maybe you're making a jump. You know, there are transition periods where maybe you're stretching a little bit, right? So I don't want to overgeneralize. Um and then sometimes you find like a killer deal where you've got built in equity on the front end and you're willing to take a little bit of risk. But in the in the bigger scheme of things. From my perspective, if you don't have the ability to put 20% down, like you're literally too broke to put 20% down, you might be stretching yourself a
0: little too thin. Yeah, I completely agree. Let's, let's jump into some uh, some comments real quick because we uh, I actually cannot see them whenever we switch over to the video. So we'll, we'll address these. Pirate saying, finally, I've been saying that about recourse loans and residential. Could not agree more, right? Yeah. Uh, Rebecca saying, hello. Thanks for all you do. Absolutely, Rebecca. Happy to have you on. Uh, let's see here. Pirate. Lenders need that skin of the game. Um, so if they end up calling the loan or seizing the property that they, you have, uh, and cover the cost to resell, refi the property, it's a buffer. That's exactly right. Right? So that's why you know commercial loans have a higher down payment, 20 you know, 25%. If the lender has to foreclose, they don't want to be a property owner. They're a lender. They want to get rid of that thing as fast as possible, which means they're probably going to give the next guy a really good deal on it. Just to get it off their books,
1: and I don't know if he's going to talk about this, but for me, this is the major. What he's saying is the major problem with what what's not being talked about. Okay. Really, is is just how these loans work. Like, you know, you go, uh, let's call it a million dollar loan. You go get a, or a million dollar purchase, right? And you're going you're trying to get eight hundred thousand dollars from the bank, and you want to get a second position carry for two hundred grand, right? For example, uh, the bank's probably not going to be okay with ninety. Five plus percent of banks, maybe more, are not gonna be okay with that unless you have a really strong relationship with that bank or a track right. record. Like that's
0: just not how this business works. No, they want to see you, you know? have skin in the game. Right. They, they don't want care to hear about your skin in the game. seller. Yeah. Right. And also, like, that's the other thing to address here. How are you convincing a seller to give you thirty percent back? And and we'll get into it more with the video here in a second. I've had buyers try and get us to take a second position behind a lender before. And we won't even remotely begin to entertain the idea. Oh, what do you want consider it? It's, it's a, a bad deal. terrible deal.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's not a good deal for you as a seller. So you've got a second you, position no, loan.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, can you explain like what a second position loan is for those that may not be f- as familiar with it?
1: Yeah. So the bank is going to get their first position. They're not going to lend you, you know, in that example, they're not going to lend you $800,000 and be in second position behind the seller who's carrying $200,000. they are not going to do it. At least I don't know. Any, There's no way you know banks that I've never even heard of a bank um doing something like that so what they're so what that means is you've got to put the seller behind the bank you know so if it's you know maybe you're buying it for a million even if it's worth 1.2 you know you've got some equity in there right that seller is not very secure like at all they're not oh. very secure they've they're subordinate to the the bank and they're they're just not in a good spot so that's not a good deal for the seller. Unless they're getting some sort of special premium to make up that risk,
0: exactly. Yeah, I mean, you've got to be paying like a fifteen percent interest rate for me to even start to talk about it. But even then, it's probably not worth it because if if I don't have full confidence that that person can pull that deal off, and the loan gets called, bank forecloses on it, they may just turn around and say, "Highest bidder today." Oh yeah, takes the property. Somebody could come in and say, "We'll pay eight hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars for it," mm-hmm. which is a nice, you know, uh, pr- price reduction from yeah. from the value. So the first bank, first position, gets a hundred percent of their loan back. Well, the seller carry only gets twenty five thousand out of two hundred thousand dollars that they had in that deal.
1: Oh, and that's not even going into recourse versus non recourse. But you know, pro- probably most of these seller carries are non recourse. There's no personal guarantees right. involved, right? So, you know, that seller, like in that scenario, is pretty much just completely out of luck. The bank gets their money back. The seller gets nothing. Right, oh, yeah, and so that means also that the 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 buyer investor is not super incentivized to protect that asset. They don't care. You know, if they bought it for a million and the market goes down ten percent, it's only worth nine hundred thousand, and they think that the bank's going to be able to auction it off at eight hundred. The bank
0: gets whole. That's a recourse loan.
1: Yeah. They're out of yeah. deal. The seller doesn't get their two hundred k. Yeah,
0: they don't. They don't care at all. So let's see. Trevor's saying I read Morby's book and definitely learned some good info. I'm sure he's got some really good info out there. But on the Morby method chapter, he conspicuously leaves out all the actual details of the process. Out, that's not really surprising.
1: Well, that's what I'm hoping. to... I mean, I don't know. You know, we're not all the way through the video yet. I'm like, does he talk about this at all? I don't think he does. If I remember it correctly,
0: he doesn't, he doesn't really go into. Well, no, and he doesn't also. He also doesn't warn you about what could happen from a lender right. if you do this method. And that's that's what bothers me the most. Is that the people that are going to be trying to use this strategy to buy real estate are those people that are. Newer to real estate, maybe haven't been around the block quite a bit. Right. I don't know how things are actually done. It's it's kind of like what Anafrio was doing to his investors. Like he to, he was the real estate expert in the room talking to people that had no idea what was going on. So these when he was telling them to basically commit fraud and do some illegal things, they were like, "This guy's the professional. I trust him." Yeah, with what, so he with knows like what one he's year of doing. experience, right? Yeah, <laughs> the expert. Oh my gosh, I, I had somebody call me. There was a they were a nurse anesthetist. Same thing as Matt Anafrio. Yeah. And they were like, you know, it always bothered me how he he wouldn't talk about how he was a nurse anesthetist. He tried to make it sound like he was a doctor. Oh, really? Yeah. He always tried to make it sound like he was a, an anesthesiologist, which is just not, which it doesn't matter. Both are like really hard to become and, you know, do really well. Let's see. Raphael is saying, I'm in sub two and we are trained to cover agent brokers fees. I think that's a great idea. And buying at their asking price. We buy for cash flow and not for equity at the beginning of the purchase. Most deals are done with private lenders. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's pretty pretty common. Yeah, that's pretty common. Um, I think that that's smart. I mean, look, the first lesson that I learned in commercial real estate was always take care of brokers. Always take care of brokers. It's it's the one thing that will continue to pay you dividends. Pirate, it's pretty much a cult. All the transactions are done in the sub-2 bubble.
1: <laughs> well, and, I, and I'm not hating on sub-2. Yeah. No. I, I, I like sub-2, but you know, sub-2 is one of those things. It's a similar to what we're talking about where it's, if you leave out key pieces yeah. of information, um, people can get in trouble real quick.
0: It, well, exactly. Like, yeah. there is an above-board way of doing sub two. And then there's the way of just trying to screw the old grandma out of her house, right? I mean, it, and we see that all the time. I mean, there's guys here in Nashville that have gotten chased out of town. And <laughs> I, I guarantee you know who, I'm, you know, a couple of the people I'm talking about at least. I haven't that
1: represented any have of
0: <laughs> Yeah, absolutely <laughs> not. Morby got burned a year or two back when he said he had due on sale clause insurance. Ooh,
1: yeah, I've heard about that. Um, I, I I probably shouldn't comment. Yeah, I was. Gonna, I, to, no I
0: don't know that. too much about that, but that's that's interesting. Uh, Twenty to thirty percent down. Use a private lender to hold second as an LP or higher interest to refi on a year. Yeah, I mean, basically, like we structure the, those kinds of deals all the time. It's basically preferred equity, right? Yeah. Like or a convertible note. That's that's totally fine to to do something like that. I
1: mean, here's here's really what it comes down to, from my perspective, or at least one of the most important things is about disclosure. You you just can't you can't hide stuff from the bank.
0: Yeah, or deceive the bank, dude. Your bank is your partner. That's, you got it. You got to treat it.
1: That's what it comes down to. And so that's the piece that's missing here is what is what is the arrangement? Yeah, like what is the arrangement? What's being discussed? What's being you know hidden
0: from yep. who? That's exactly. That's right. not that's not being talked about. No, you look if you're gonna do any sort of deals and you're gonna try and get creative with it. I mean, hell, I've got a video that's one of my most popular videos. It's like five ways to buy real estate with little to no money down. Yeah, yeah. No low Is that Brandon Turner's book? Uh, You know? I'm sure he did a book on that, but I also did a YouTube video on it and it it got super popular. But like, the thing is, too, you also have to, like, you got to disclose. You got to tell everybody about it. Like, there are banks that are okay with you having no money in the deal, depending on how things are structured and as long as they know. So, yeah. Well, let's
2: get back to it. Money out of your bank account, go invest it into some other things. Okay. That's a great negotiating uh, skill that you guys need to adopt. So when you run into a seller that says, Hey, I'm cool with the seller finance situation, but I want this, I want a large down payment. Well, you have three options. One, get better at negotiating. This is why we have the daily dial and the nightly dial with Mr. Key. So, get better at negotiating. Okay, well, that when that fails, we're going to move on to option two, the Morby method. Can't get better at negotiating? No problem. Tell the seller that I will give you a large down payment. So, the way we treat this is like any other transaction. So, let's say that my purchase price, what's your purchase price total? It is $460,000. Okay, $460,000. Perfect. So, $460,000 purchase. If I'm a regular Joe Schmo, somebody that's buying this deal on the burst strategy, typically what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to this seller and I'm going to go out and I'm going to get a 30% cash down payment from my pocket, from my cousin, from my neighbor, wherever that money's coming from. Typically, people that are doing the burst strategy are coming in with about 30% down payment. If you tell me you're doing 20% down payment on the burst strategy, I'll punch you in the throat. You're lying.
0: I, I welcome that. Come punch me in the throat. Pace, I do plenty of, plenty of 20% bursts. Yeah, I think I've only done 20% in the last yeah. five years. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's a residential thing, but I don't feel that like there's no way that that's true. I mean, I know so no. many people that do 20% down burrs that make all the sense in the world.
1: Well, I mean, no, we, we did our last, uh, well, our second to last deal was an 80% loan. They brought us a construction loan, and we got a million dollars seller carry. Yeah. So like it was an eighty percent loan with a seller carry and a construction loan. That's great. So it was really more like ninety percent.
0: Yeah, you got paid to. Yeah. You got paid to take it down. So I don't know what he's talking about. Yeah, I don't get that. I mean, the first syndication I ever did, we raised like four hundred thousand dollars for it. It was an office, a two-story office building that we converted into micro offices, and that was an eighty-twenty loan to loan to value, loan to yeah. cost. Yeah. Um, Speaking so, of the the first deal. You know, the first commercial deal, you know, because I was in
1: residential, I was was a little scared to jump into commercial and we got a retail deal and the seller carried, it's just the funniest thing, man. We got a decent discount on the price, but then the seller carried a third of the purchase price with no interest. And then, yeah. And so the banks is like, yeah, we'll, we'll come, uh, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll take first position. So I just had a clause in there. The seller subordinating to the bank and second position loan, whatever. So literally we showed up to the closing table, my first commercial deal, they wrote us a $10,000 check. So that's I showed amazing. up to closing and got paid ten thousand dollars to buy. Good for you, man. <laughs> but I, I just don't know why he's saying that. I mean, that's uh, you can shop around banks and it's not that hard to find eighty percent.
0: No, and he doesn't. He also right doesn't now, even maybe, address why. You know now. It's, oh yeah, of course. Of course. course but... Yeah, but he doesn't even address why. No.
2: Don't lie to me. So you're going to put thirty percent down payment, and then you're going to go to a lender for the remaining seventy percent of that purchase. So out of that 460, you're going to get 30% of it's going to be yours. And 70% of that's going to be a loan. Does everybody understand that that is how a typical cash purchase is done? So this is what we do. We go to the seller and we say, Hey seller, you know, this 30% of cash that I basically would have to bring to the table. If we did this deal, instead of I having to bring that 30% cash to the table, what if I just went out and I got this loan and then you seller finance that 30% equity? So I didn't have to have 30% cash into the deal. See that that like I don't like that
0: terminology. You finance that 30% equity because it's not equity, it's a loan. Yeah. I get that it's considered equity by the bank, but if the bank doesn't I mean, I don't know.
1: Well, no, no, I agree with you. And here's here's the missing link here. Okay. Um and it was the deal I was just describing to you that I did, right? It's like, hey, seller, and, and I don't, I don't know why he says it this way. I never tell a seller, hey, will you do seller financing? I say, I never say that. That's the worst way to frame a yeah. negotiation ever. Yeah. So I say something like, well, I, you know, I see what you want this price. What if I were to pay you some of that over time? You know, something like, you know, yeah. something like that to bridge the gap of the yeah. conversation. But then you go to the bank and you say, hey. Um, what can you do loan terms? And they say, hey, we'll do, you know, maybe we'll do 25 year M and, and, you know, 80% loan to value, blah, blah, blah. And then you say, okay, the seller is going to do a seller carry. Are you okay with them putting a uh, seller carry second position? They say yes or no.
0: Usually they're okay with it if you adjust yeah. it on the front end,
1: it, especially if you have a relationship and you have a track record, right? Um, and, and so like that would be the seller, and arguably you could use the terminology bringing the down payment, right? Yep. I don't know that I love that terminology, even in that situation. But, I mean, arguably what they're doing is bringing the down payment. Right. But that's not what he's talking about. He's yeah. talking about you finding your grandma's money for the down payment, right? And yeah. then having a side deal, a secret. If I understand, he's talking about having a secret side deal behind the bank's back. That's that's what it- The seller's so yeah. not bringing the down payment.
0: Yeah. So when I first watched this video, that was, uh, it was, <laughs> man, I, I was sitting at, you know, Zach will laugh at this. I was sitting in the- uh in our conference room watching it with a couple of people on my team, I was like, this is fraud. Yeah. (laughs) This is fraud. (laughs) Like, There's no part about this that's okay. Well, and and let's be clear,
1: like, there are things not being talked about. Right. So, like, maybe he is going to the bank and he's explaining to them. I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't want to say anything. Yeah. yeah, Um, Maybe he's going to the bank and he's explaining what he's doing. Hey, I'm going to do this. And then the seller is going to put second position loan. Is that cool? You got any problems with that? And maybe he's got it all in writing and it's all disclosed, right? Yeah. And, and, and no problem.
0: But that's not the way it's being pitched. Somebody and, and watched this This video, this video has 16,000 views yeah. on YouTube. And the people that are looking this up are the people that don't have money yeah. and are trying to figure out how to buy real estate.
1: Right. So maybe maybe he's doing it that way legal, legally and ethically, but, but the 16,000 people who are watching this- Don't know that. are saying, oh, so I can close it with my with my borrowing my dad's money, and then after the bank's out of the picture and I've signed all the bank documents, then I can get the second position loan. Yeah. And it's hard for
0: me to imagine that that's accidental on the video. you know. Oh, no, I mean, you would think that, like, something like this. I mean, the guy's got to have a YouTube team. He's done right?
1: thousands like, of deals, right? Yeah. I mean, it's my understanding. It's not like he doesn't under... I mean, surely to God that neither you know, that somebody, him or someone on his team has read the loan documents one time, right? <laughs> you would hope <laughs> so. I mean,
0: how many people, though, never read their Will's documents? <laughs> that's, that's a good point.
1: But, I mean, he's done a lot of deals, though. I, I yeah. Think so, but, uh, oh, man, that's a whole different topic about not reading the loan documents.
2: <laughs> God. Seller says, damn, son, is Pace Morby your mentor? And you go, yes, sir, he is. And he'll say, right. I love this. So what you're telling me is you'll give me the 70% as a down payment, and that is going to come from your lender, your loan company. I use a company called myinvestorloan.com. I don't know what lender everybody else uses, but you can use whoever you want. We just use this company. They bring 70% of the purchase. The other 30%, I still have to bring to the table temporarily. So remember we went up here and this is a regular cash transaction, 460, 30% cash, 70% loan. We are still going to do this exact transaction as if there's no seller finance in the first leg of the transaction. This is leg one of the transaction. It's a cash transaction. It's done. Recording number, paperwork has been issued. Everybody's been paid, except this portion of the 30% of the cash actually does not get distributed to the seller, this is where the Morby method comes in. You then open a second transaction, and that thirty percent gets sent back to you. Plus,
0: the fact that he's saying that they are two separate transactions yeah. makes me think that they're not disclosing this to the bank. Like it's the well, way that it's being. Like, how else can you interpret that? I don't know, man.
1: Well, and I'll just tell you, if somebody um, as a as a title company owner, you know, somebody's owned a t- title company for a while. If investors, you know, they're trying to figure out what they can do and what they yeah, can't. Getting getting creative is good. Yeah, they they're trying. Hopefully, they're doing it with the advice of a lawyer who knows what they're talking about, right? But if somebody comes to me and they say, "Hey, I want to close this deal with your title company. Um, I'm getting a loan, and these loan documents say all this. I have to sign an affidavit that says there's no side deals. You know, this is my money I'm bringing to the table. But after the closing," Don't tell anything to the bank about this.
0: Let's switch to the other conference After room.
1: the closing table, we'll move over to this conference <laughs> yeah. room and hold that money. Don't give it to them. Don't give it to them. Hold it. <laughs> hold it in secret. And 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 then we'll send it back and then I'll get the money from here. I'd be like, you're going to have to take your deal somewhere else. We're not doing
0: that. If the lender was fine with it, the, yeah. there wouldn't have to be a second part of the transaction where you're doing this, this shuffling of funds.
1: I mean, I'm open-minded. I can't figure out an explanation for why you have to break this up in this manner, unless you don't want the bank to know.
0: Exactly.
2: Sometimes I will negotiate a portion of that. So the 70% they receive during transaction number one. I will even have them seller finance 40% back. So they'll even take 10% of the money they receive from my lender and they'll sell or carry back 40% back well, to me. So I and That is another... I, I've never
1: heard of a bank being okay with this. No. Never. So in other words... Purchase so you're in for hundred ten percent of the purchase yeah. price. I've I've never heard of. I don't know if you know that somebody that's pulled that off for the bank. chance. It, I've pulled off the seventy thirty or the eighty twenty, right, with the bank's agreement and consent and full disclosure above board.
0: I I've never heard of anybody doing this with the bank's consent. No, I mean I, I I would imagine that there's some private lenders out there that are okay with that, right? Like especially on the wholesaling side, or or if you're doing a flip. Yeah. Right. I have heard some people get like a hundred percent loans or whatever it was for flipping, but like hundred and ten percent? I don't I don't think a bank would ever sign off on that. Um there's no way. Yeah. There's I, nothing I to, shouldn't say ever, you know. Yeah. I Maybe mean, There's always probably a private lender, right? If like, you're doing the, this, the, is, institutionalized yeah. bank, not a chance. I mean it's probably it's gotta violate some sort of yeah legal regulation out there.
1: So this is where I need to advise you to if you have done this. Go on the internet and Google what mortgage fraud is. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah. Paid to purchase the deal. A Morby method actually is very simple if you think about it this way. What if I just let the seller receive all the money? It's very simple if you think about it this way. (laughs) What if I commit bank
0: fraud? (laughs) What if we take all this money and get a loan approved
2: and tell the bank we're going to do one thing, but then we do something completely (laughs) different? Whoa, mind blown. And after everything's said and done, the seller sends me a wire directly from the seller to me for 40% of the purchase back to me. And he just creates a note and deed of trust for that 40%. And we attach it in second position against the property. Look at my last episode I did with Logan Manzanares. One of our great leaders in sub two, he's been with us for about a year, just closed a Morby Method deal where he got paid to do the transaction. Guys, we're, we get paid to buy houses in here. It's happening frequently. Most people just need somebody on the phone articulating and telling a story to them. That is your failure point. You are lacking a story. Whenever he says story, the first word that
0: comes to my mind is lie. (laughs) Well, You need to tell a
2: lie
1: to them. Well, here's the other thing, too. It's like, you know, if you're not super experienced in real estate and you don't, especially if you're broke. I mean, one thing I do when I buy a deal sub two is I have multiple exit strategies. Right. Right? So if I buy a $100,000 property and it's got a $40,000 mortgage on their sub two, for example, and I think there might be some due on sale risk, I've got well more than forty k in the bank. If anything ever happened, I have an ethical obligation to the seller to take care of that, not allow their credit to be hurt for anything to happen. So I, if worse came to worse, I could just pay off the loan, right? so these people don't have any of these backup strategies so you got you're at a hundred percent you go buy a hundred thousand dollar house and you get a ten thousand dollar check and you're 100 percent leveraged and you're wrong about the repair costs or you're wrong about the comps and you actually paid a hundred and ten thousand dollars for a ninety thousand dollar house what
0: happens then hopefully what that ten thousand dollars goes a long way in renovations
1: well they probably <laughs> did more so they probably yeah. bought ten more sub two deals with but you know, but what happens to that seller? What happens to that deal?
0: Yeah. You know, all becomes a problem.
1: And, and so like part of this market cycle that we've been in, you know, when the market's going up 40% in two years, you know, there's no harm, no foul because, you know, if you've all of a sudden you got 20% equity because of dumb luck in the market, you could probably figure this out. Just list it, refinance it, sell it to another investor but as soon as the market stops going up, that 100% leverage is still 100% leverage if it's not 130% leverage.
0: Yeah. What's that saying? When the when the tides go out, you yeah. see who is swimming naked? Yeah. I mean, that's there's a lot of that going on right now.
2: Story. You are lacking a third-party story. Forget about the second leg of the transaction being done at the title company, Stefan. What if the seller just wires the money back to you and you guys create a promissory note and attach it to the property? Do you technically need to go through the title company to do that? No. No. It's just that you want to go through the title company since you don't actually want the money to go back to them and then have to ask for it to come back to you. So you're having a problem because your title company is like, wait a minute, kidding. why did you pay? Yeah, I mean, I, for
0: those of you listening on the podcast, I'm like throwing my arms above my head <laughs> listening to this because it, it is like, I couldn't imagine doing any of this outside of a title company. Unless the title company is like, hell no, we would never touch that with a 10-foot pole.
1: Yeah, I, I know guys that I respect that do it. But they are extremely experienced. Yeah, they are absolutely competent to run their own searches, and they really know what they're doing.
0: No, 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 I just mean like this whole like let's take a second position, not do it through a title company, not you know like that's sketchy as hell.
1: Yeah, I mean if you want to be wiring around
0: forty thousand dollars without a professional involved, I mean I I know I know some uh, some Russian hackers that would love to talk to you.
2: Pay the seller off a hundred percent of the purchase price in the first place. If the seller's just going to turn around and send the money back to you, that doesn't make any sense. And you know what it was based in one of your videos. You mentioned instead of doing a second lien, to do it in an operating
0: agreement. And I sent them the wrong video.
2: Oh yeah, and no, over I, over confused them.
0: Everybody was like, "What are we trying to do here?" The attorney's well, were all that's like, a whole other can of arms
2: Yeah, I mean that. No,
1: he's talking.
0: That's, about, that's probably fine. Well, what's he talking about now? Partnering. I guess he's talking about yeah, creating partner. an entity and partnering with the seller. Yeah, I mean, if the seller was willing to go in with you, now, obviously, if they're going to leave 30% of the property in there, they're going to have to sign on the note with you. But most lenders will probably be okay with that. Yeah, but the big
1: difference there is the lender is going to ask for all that paperwork, Exactly. Right? So there's probably going to be a personal guarantee from both of those parties, and the bank knows about all of it. Yep. And you probably have some sort of partnership plan. You're probably improving the property you developing yeah.
0: I mean, we we do this all the time. I mean, we're we're negotiating a deal right now where the seller is going to contribute one hundred percent of their land's value as the equity into a development. Sure. Like sure. that that's normal. Yeah. Not disclosing it is not normal. Yeah. And um, this isn't happening. And I was like, okay, so we're gonna go to my title company, but I think we're we're on track and I just want to make sure I understood it. Because the goal, zero dollars out of pocket, a hundred K profit.
2: That's the goal. There you go. So I kind of want to Hammer this Morbi method thing home because it, it's so bloody simple that you guys are overcomplicating. That's why I had to test it, pace, because it was perfect situation, perfect timing. Yeah. And like, we need a hundred
0: percent. Stuff a on us.
2: Only way to do this: Morbi method. You guys want me to go through this again, but slower, and you promise to never ask me another Morbi method question in your entire life? Of what's the Morbi method? Because I have videos on this.
0: Not particularly. Thank <laughs> you, though, know. man. I I, I just. I'm glad that you came in here to have this conversation because I think that having somebody with a legal background, such as you, having gone through the title side of things, the actual real estate, side, you know, legal side of things. I mean, I could sit here and whine about it all day, but you—you've been in so many transactions. Have you ever seen stuff like this?
1: No, no. I mean, well, I mean, part of it is I'm just not interested in dealing, with assisting, it, yeah. and being a part of a transaction that's not above board. So, if somebody brought me something like this, I would help. I would try to educate them on why this is not the way to do the deal. And if they wouldn't listen, I would tell them, "Look, you know, best of luck." But
0: we're not we're, touching it.
1: We can't do this.
0: Yeah, because uh, I mean, the title company would get called into question too if it's doing anything questionable.
1: In theory, but I'm just not interested in you know, making a buck by potentially allowing somebody to commit mortgage fraud or be deceptive to the bank. I mean, that's really to me, that's the biggest thing and that's where it kind of connects to the Frio thing. Yeah. The alleged stuff that happened with all that. Oh, he's he's Um, pled guilty. um, Not even alleged anymore. Yeah, that's right. That's true. But I mean that's where they connect. You know, there's a bunch of whole other things that happen there that's not being brought up here. But I and that's where you gotta be careful with the gurus too, man. Because it's like you know he's he's like telling a story, and it's like it's very simple, and everything is simple if you only talk about ten percent of the equation.
0: Yeah, you know, like there are. Dude, buying buying commercial real estate is really simple. Step one: find a property. Step two: put the money together. Step right. three: close. Step four: profit. It's simple. You guys are yep. overcomplicating this. <laughs> <laughs> it's like what? Why are you talking about tenant stock? You couldn't lose everything with that, could you? Come yes, on. you could.
1: Uh, you yeah know, so it's like some of this stuff just is a little bit complicated
0: like it's it, just the nature of the beast and it's that way to protect people and make sure that things are recorded properly
1: and I would really really recommend because you know like some of these um guys with the on stuff that happened and and it's like it's the same theme really all you know the guys you were talking about that we know about it's flood town people just not looking under the hood is where most of this stuff comes from it's like it's the lazy ways this stuff takes work. Like you want to figure out how to do a sub two deal, it takes work. You got to learn. You probably need a mentor who's really yeah. got to take you step by step. You want to learn commercial, order. It's probably going to take multiple years of work or partnering with somebody to really get this. Like, if you want to jump to the end, there's no just, cheat code. There is no cheat code. There's no shortcuts. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could get lucky. It's like the people who drive it around drunk. You know, I forget the statistics, but it's like you know, most people who get a DUI drive around drunk, like. A hundred times before they get arrested. What? It's like, so, you know, you might get lucky. You do this stuff. You might get a fair volume of transactions under your belt before uh, everything yeah. goes wrong. But you're building a house of cards.
0: Yeah. You know? So. Yeah. I know. Well, I think that the, the lesson here is don't use the Morby method. Avoid that method at all costs. Be careful when anybody's ever, sh- you know, shopping to you some sort of, of end-all, be-all method where you never need to have money and, and you're going to get paid $100,000 to do this deal without at least doing your due diligence. Talk to your attorneys, talk to your CPA, talk to your advisors. Make sure that you fully understand what's going on because that could get you in so much more trouble that you'll, you won't you will be starting from zero. You'll be starting from 100000 or 400000 whatever that ends up being, which is a hell of a lot harder to come back from. Uh, G. Well saying, I was looking at Pace's info. This isn't a new strategy, although he and his partners are making, uh, are making it. Thanks for covering the strategy. Looking forward to buying your course. Thanks, TC. Absolutely, G. Well. Happy to, happy to hear it. Yeah. I mean, I, it's definitely not new. No. I think that he's kind of coined it as like, oh, this is a Morbi method. Like, I mean, Brandon Turner didn't, he didn't create the burr. Right. The burr existed before. He oh, just yeah. coined a new name for it and started marketing it. And, um... You know, look, I, I think that there's a lot of principles in that strategy that could work. Sure. You've got to disclose it to the bank. You've got to, you got to talk the seller through what's actually going on. And you've got to make sure that everybody is aware of the situation and okay with it.
1: And you need to, I mean, people need to stop signing documents that they don't know what's in them. That's the other thing. That's like the bottom line of all of these things share something in common, which is people are signing documents that they don't know what's in them. I'm not, you know, I get it. Like you don't, you go there and you, you a a stack of documents. I'm not, I don't read word for word on stuff. I know what clauses to look for, but you got to educate yourself at some point. Like you got to take the time. If you don't know what's in commercial lending documents, you got to read through them one time and maybe you got to get an attorney to help you on the first one. Yeah. But you can't just be signing your name on affidavits and stuff and not know what you're signing signing your
0: name to. You might get away with it. Yeah. For a certain amount of times. But at some point. Especially if it's like a private lender. Because they'll yeah. they'll have all sorts of special causes in there. I mean, look, I I don't want to read my loan documents. I probably have only read through one full set of loan documents before, but I pay a commercial real estate attorney yeah. to review everything on my behalf on every single transaction. Yeah. Because you have to. That's five or ten thousand dollars well spent. Yeah.
1: And people underestimate the the skill piece and the education piece. And that's the other thing I hate about this sort of guru stuff um in general is it's like when you're trying to take these shortcuts, you know, you know this, like you build up these set of skills that you can only earn, you know? You get into the trenches, you read the loan docs, you talk with the attorney. You know, you go out and you buy, get this property under contract and it doesn't work out, and you get this inspection back and you learn about these issues. Like there there you're building up a skill set that is invaluable. Oh, okay. And if you're just trying to skip it into these cheat codes, you're not becoming the kind of person who's capable of taking down these sorts of deals or doing these creative strategies.
0: No, I mean, look, real estate is a long term game. It's it, it's always been that way. It always will be. And are there ways that you can time the market to get in and make a quick buck? Absolutely. I would never, ever count on that strategy. Every deal that we underwrite, we're planning on being there for at least five years. If we exit before that, great. But there's some deals that we plan on five years that are probably going to be seven or 10. And guess what? We kind of plan for that as our backup. So mm-hmm. we're going to be fine if we have to be in it longer. But you can't control a market. Right. And that's one of the things that we're dealing with as real estate investors. So, guys, just be careful out there. Um, Matt, appreciate you joining us hey, on man. today's show. If, uh, if anybody wants to reach out, follow you, how, where can they find you?
1: Uh, go to AndersonLegaltn.com. You can find me on Facebook. Check out Foundation Title or Cloud Realty if you're interested in uh, brokerage
0: or a title company in Tennessee. So, there we go. Guys, don't forget to uh, like and subscribe if you're listening on the podcast. Please leave us a rating. It helps out quite a bit. And we will see you guys next time. This episode of the Commercial Real Estate Investor podcast is brought to you by CRE Launch Pro. This online commercial real estate program is designed to take you from beginner to pro commercial real estate investor with access to all of my courses, our online community, and monthly group coaching calls. Learn how to confidently buy your first commercial property today at www. Dot C R E dot com.